Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Charles C. Lemley, a partner in the professional liability insurance practice at Wiley Ryan LLP in Washington, D.C. He's chairman of the firm's diversity committee. Mr. Lemley represents clients in a wide variety of civil litigation matters, primarily focused on professional liability coverage and malpractice litigation in federal and state courts. He has significant experience in litigation, arbitration, and mediation of disputes, including first and second trial chair experience in bench and jury trials. He also serves as an adjunct professor and has co-authored numerous articles and presentations on a variety of professional liability topics, including third-party claims against lawyers. Charlie, we're very pleased to have you with us today. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Today's topic is bad faith liability in the state of Florida, and Brendan Noonan's going to lead off today with our first question. Uh, Charlie, what is the most significant concern for insurers with respect to bad faith liability in Florida? Well, I would say the most troubling claims of bad faith in Florida tend to involve allegations that the insurer failed to settle a claim against its insured when a reasonably prudent insurer who was acting in the best interest of the insured would have done so. How does Florida law differ from the laws of other states in this regard? Unlike many states, Florida law doesn't require that an insurer reject the demand to settle within policy limits in order to be exposed to bad faith liability. Under Florida law, an insurer may have an affirmative duty to initiate settlement discussions where liability on the part of the insured is clear and injuries are so serious that a judgment in excess of policy limits is likely. Charlie, what should insurers be aware of in trying to limit their exposure to bad faith claims in Florida? Well, there are really two key points for insurers to remember. First, the insurer's decision whether to attempt to settle is going to be second-guessed by a jury operating with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. Second, a number of plaintiff's lawyers in Florida are particularly adept at taking advantage of the difficulties that insurers face in trying to determine when to initiate settlement discussions, especially when the insurers have very little information to go on. Uh, Charlie, can you talk about the dangers insurers face when they have little information to go on, and what should insurers be aware of in that regard? Yeah, Florida has become known as a state in which certain lawyers specialize in the art of the bad faith setup. In fact, a couple of years ago, the Florida Bar Journal had cover articles on bad faith setups two months in a row. Plaintiff's lawyers, what they'll do is they'll frequently make demands on insurers very early in the process while intentionally providing the insurers with only the vaguest details regarding the claimant's injuries. What they hope is that the insurer will delay in initiating settlement discussions. And courts have found that even a few weeks delay can be enough to trigger bad faith liability. And then a jury later, again with 2020 hindsight, will find that the limited information that was provided to the insurer should have been enough to convince the insurer that it was in the best interest of the insured to tender its policy limits sooner than it did. What is the most significant concern for insurers facing a bad faith setup? Well, again, the danger is that the when the jury looks back at what the insurer did, the jury is not going to be uh, in the heat of a claim investigation as the insurer did. The jury is going to have time to reflect on the facts that were available to the insurance company and to make its own decision about what the insurance company should have done. 
especially in the state court, the question of bad faith is almost always held to be a question for the jury. And Florida juries are not known for sympathy towards insurance companies. Now, an insurer's odds are a little bit better in federal court because federal courts are more willing to find the lack of bad faith as a matter of law, but it's still a significant risk. Uh, in addition to making demands while providing little information, what else do plaintiffs' counsel do to set up insurers for bad faith claims? Well, it's important to note that the question of bad faith in Florida is evaluated based on the totality of the circumstances. So like every state, Florida imposes certain requirements on insurers in handling claims. Just to give you a few examples, Florida law requires that anyone who adjusts a claim in Florida must be licensed in Florida and has to satisfy certain continuing education requirements. Another one is Florida law requires that an insurer has to give a claimant certain information about the insurance coverage it provides, along with a certified copy of the insurance policy, within 30 days of a written request from the claimant. Florida law also requires insurers to adopt and implement standards for the proper investigation of claims. So a bad faith lawyers will be sure to make a request for insurance information early on before the insurer gets its feet on the ground, hoping that the insurer won't respond within 30 days. Then they'll take discovery regarding whether the insurer complied with adjuster licensing requirements continuing education requirements, and the requirement to have claims handling guidelines in place. Charlie, does an insurer's failure to follow these requirements of Florida law constitute bad faith? I'm not aware of any court that's found that an insurer in bad faith solely for violating one or more of those requirements, but bad faith lawyers will use any failures by the insurer in this regard to paint a picture of an insurer that seemingly acted with reckless disregard for the proper handling of claims in Florida. And so violations of one or more of these requirements might be enough to tip the scales against the insurer where there's a close question of whether the insurer should have tendered its policy limits sooner than it did based on the information that was available to it. And what can insurers do to minimize their exposure to these types of claims? Well, first of all, the insurer should gather as much information as possible as soon as possible and determine early on whether a claim merits an affirmative effort at settlement. But in addition to that, every insurer should consider picking the low-hanging fruit that we've been talking about today. Make sure everyone involved in adjusting claims in Florida is licensed in Florida and has their continuing education requirements up to date. Set up a process for tracking those items. Put in place a procedure for responding to requests for insurance information and make sure to respond within 30 days. Make those procedures part of a set of standards for the proper investigation of claims. The procedures don't need to be lengthy or extravagant, but they should emphasize promptness and fairness in the evaluation of every claim, and especially early identification of claims that might have serious damages implications. Also, an insurer should anticipate that its entire claim file, including reserves information, might be discoverable. And so if there are any inconsistencies between reserve decisions and the decisions that were made with respect to whether to settle the case, those kinds of inconsistencies should be explained within the claims file. Charlie, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That was Charles C. Lemley from the law firm of Wiley Ryan LLP in Washington, D.C. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com 
or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 